0: I'm Jackie Tantillo, and this is Should Have Listened to My Mother. Each week, my guests and I have great conversations about their relationship with their mother. I'd like to introduce you to this week's guest, Anne maselli Teed. Hi, Anne, and welcome to Should Have Listened to My Mother.
1: Good morning. Good morning. What a snowy morning and a pleasure to speak to you this morning.
0: I know you are a woman of the arts, but when you see a picture of yourself, how do you describe yourself or what do you see?
1: I, oh, that's always that elevator question. You know, it's so funny because um i'll be in situations where we go around the circle in the room and people say tell us about yourself in a minute and i'm the deer in the headlights because i have to think of what hat i'm wearing am i a teacher am i an artist Am I a mother whatever so in brief i am a mother and i'm newly a widow my husband passed away a year ago and uh i'm a daughter a sister an artist um A wall builder with rocks. I just put up a a full two teepee this summer. I'm a mud pie maker, a songwriter, and uh, I like to, uh, my children's songwriter, too, um, where I have a Parents' Choice Award, and I get to watch my grandbabies now, I'm a grandma, sing and act out the different parts to a record that I recorded with my own kids years ago. And so um, it depends where I'm at and what hat I'm wearing, but I feel blessed that I can uh, do so many different things. I believe these are the blessings that are given to us, and God gave me lots of things that I can do. And so today I am a participant in a conversation about my mother.
0: I say all the time, things on paper just don't equate when the guests themselves want to describe who they are. And you're a singer. You're in a band as well, correct?
1: Yeah, I'm Hurricane Annie if I'm <laughs> singing
0: out there with my band. And, what fun. and I'm Annie
1: with Firefly if I'm doing children's music. And I'm Mima if I get my little three granddaughters. So, you know, titles and, and we morph, don't we, into who we are at that uh Who's your audience? I always say that when I'm teaching. Who's your audience? And uh, so that—that's a—that's the fun about being a, an individual and, and getting to put on the the costume, the voice, the the attitude uh, of who you are. So
0: good for you. Did you get any of that? All of that inspiration and creativity from your mom or what kind of role did she play in your life I
1: did I got it from actually both uh, my parents uh, my the legacy is that many years ago they're both deceased now uh, three years and six years and my father sang on Broadway and the choruses and he was in Oklahoma and arms and the Girl and I got to hear all those stories. My mother worked at Saks Fifth Avenue as a 20-year-old, so these two glamour couples met in Brooklyn and moved up to the Hudson Valley and had five children, and I'm fourth in the line. So I got their love of life, uh, their love of God, their love of of nature, and uh, everything, music, song, each other uh, from them, and they definitely equally split the role. (laughs) So, yeah. And I could swing a hammer, too, because my dad had a construction company. And uh, I had a conversation with a friend yesterday how I was digging and putting pools in and troweling, and he was laughing because, you know, you, you, oh, really? Oh, okay, yeah, I can build, I can, you know, I can be delicate, and I can be strong, oh, and that does come from, uh, from both of my parents.
0: What's the boy-girl ratio in your family?
1: Uh, Three girls and two boys. And uh, this year, my brother also passed away right after my husband. So I am the youngest now. Um, So there's one brother left, and I'm the youngest of three girls. And I am reminded all the time that I'm the youngest of the three girls because my sisters will remind me that they are my big sisters and know more than I do.
0: Are they bossy (laughs) big sisters or really cool big sisters? They're loving (laughs)
1: goes with the turf, like my mother, you know, it was very, uh, loving, uh, advice and guiding, always, you know, with love, but we come from a family of strong women, and so my sisters have taken on that nurturing, guiding role. So, and I, I used to do it for my brother Peter, and, you know, I have three children of my own, so that, uh, I wouldn't say bossy, I would say guiding, loving force.
0: <laughs> You're lucky. You're very, very lucky. You're very lucky. Now, and your mom, where, your, where did your mom uh, grow up and her family? What is her background?
1: She grew up in Brooklyn. Her parents from Basilicata, Italy. And so I grew up uh, with a recipe for meatballs, salt, pepper, cheese, garlic, rake, no parsley, breadcrumb <laughs> eggs. You know, we all still sing the song. <laughs> and as the years went on... Yeah As the years went on, uh, I married my husband Steve and he was not Italian. And so I have to say that Italianness kind of started integrating with my husband's culture, which his family came over hundreds of years ago uh, to America. So I became less Italian over the years. but um, I learned so much of that love of life. And recipes and how to sew and do all these wonderful things from my mother. But she was very glamorous, very graceful, and very uh, spiritual. She was, um, she watched Mass every morning on television, the Catholic Mass, but it was never this uh, scary, nervous set of rules. My mother taught all of her children and, and anybody who came in contact with her about this very loving entity, God, and she was very close to Mother Mary, too, and I, I, that has really been a part of me, and you won't hear me, you know, preach it and try to convert anybody, but it's such a grounding, um, uh, such a grounding force and calmness in my life that my mother showed us, you know, lived that uh, in her household, and as she got older, she had caretakers come in during the day. And we as children slept at night after my dad passed away. We all made sure my mother was, um, always had company. And all the caretakers would say, wow, you know, your mother just is glowing with her love of life, her love of God. And it was a very gentle, um, very grounded, very uh, secure, nurtured sense of spirituality. And I'm so thankful for that because I I try to
0: live that. It's really nice to have that at my mom. You say, right in your little pocket. <laughs> it's that, mm, that it's yeah. like the guardian angels or the, the light is around you, and it, or a beautiful cloak on your shoulders to keep you warm yeah. or standing straight or just that grounding and centering. Very
1: true.
0: What is your mom's name?
1: Anne Angela Golfo and then Miss Sally when she married my dad so Ann, Angela, Golfo, Miss and that Angela she told you that was about an angel you know she reminds you that that name given to her that she was connected to to her guardian angel and to her her grandmothers and everybody who had uh, passed on before her
0: and you use Miss Sally in honor of your mom
1: yes uh, that, that was my my father's uh, surname, and so my mother dropped her maiden name when she got married because that's what you did years ago. she was Anne Masselli, which I kept Misselli when I got married to my husband Steve.
0: So being the fact that she was Italian, right? I mean the Italians can be pretty not rigid, but you know the the Catholic Church is the beginning, middle, and end for majority of Italians, at least back then, right? A couple, two generations. How did she seem to have expanded the the boundaries? How come she was more open then, less rigid?
1: You know, it was this quiet knowingness, this wisdom, and again, it was there was never fear. There was just this benevolence, this love from God, and uh, I did go to Catholic. And I had a great experience there too. Which you know, I talked to people like, you know, where did you grow up and who, and who were your parents? But it was, um, it was always that my mother would say, God is watching, and it wasn't, um, it wasn't a scariness. It was that you were protected, and that it was almost like Jiminy Cricket. When I was a kid, Disney had Jiminy Cricket on your shoulder, and you had the good and the bad. that that guidance of goodness was there for you and that uh, God is watching that you had God's uh, energy to be good to know right from wrong and so that was really a wonderful um, a wonderful thing to grow up with and as a mother you know I tried uh, very hard to instill that that love of, of wisdom that love of being guided with my children, who now are going to be 40, my oldest, Nicole, my middle child is 33, Chelsea, and my son Stephen is going to be 30, and uh, the girls are married, and uh, and it's very wonderful to see now, uh, as they're adults and have their their partners and babies, you know, what was different with me raising my children, that my mother might have had an easier time because I was a child of the 60s, a teen of the 70s, I was a college student in the 80s. It was a very, very different time than it is now. Yes, And I find it uh, (laughs) sometimes a a shocking kind of thing, like, wow, this is so much harder, maybe, to be a mother now. I I called it the three Gs. You know, we, we had, oh, listen to God, and grandma. You know, there was a wisdom with women and motherhood, you know, aunts and uncles and sisters, that you knew that this uh, this authority of their group, their collective wisdom of raising children and, you know, uh, everything, everything from breastfeeding to reprimanding children to whatever it was, uh, it was passed on with the sacredness of, of the matriarch. And I find it very different in this day and age. It's not grandma or God, it's Google. I <laughs> tease my daughters about it. You know, when they were pregnant or as they're raising their babies, it's like, oh, they'll Google it. And that is, seems to be the authority for young people now. And so it's put me in the position of that I don't know what's going on now. Well, they say where I went to my mother. My mother knew, or my grandmother knew, or my aunts. And so I think we've lost something now in that passing on knowledge from our mothers and the matriarch and the, the women in the family. We've lost that trust, that authority of they've gone through it, they're passing it down. And um, so it's a little bit of a, I, I could say the word conflict with my children. I've had to let go because they're in a day and age that you Google it. And that's the authority. So it's a
0: very different reach. To me, it's so much more dimensional. The nuances, the textures in between the lines, sharing generations of maternal instincts and experience. Many cultures, including Native Americans, passed on their traditions through their art and their storytelling, their oral history. Yes. And if we don't tell these stories and they unfortunately, will slowly but surely disappear. And I think that moms and women have lots of great stories, yeah. you know, and lots of knowledge, whether we acknowledged it when we were growing up and we had our mom telling us to clean our room, or <laughs> we look back then when we we're trying to raise our kids and like, man, why didn't I listen to her? <laughs> why didn't I try and help her? <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. But we do the best that we can do.
1: We do. And my daughters are doing a beautiful job raising their children, and everybody does the best that they can do with the the world they're in at
0: the time. And you, I've heard, are quite dynamic, not only extremely creative and talented, but you are an art educator, so you teach teachers how to teach, correct? Specifically in the arts?
1: Yes, I teach at Adelphi University in Long Island, and I've uh, taught for other universities, too. I'm the supervisor at Columbia University Teachers College, and I, I, that's my circle. I'm, I'm at the university level, and I love it because um, it's so joyful, It's uh, so enjoyable and fulfilling to be able to be at that level where you're um, having these intellectual and very meaningful conversations with adults. And I have taught children too, but um, that's where I'm at at this point in my life, working with with mainly grad students at this time.
0: Did your mom ever teach?
1: She did. um, She was uh, a teacher in her own right with Girl Scouts, and CYO, and uh, teaching five children. I mean, my mud pies, I'm a potter today. And it was my mother, you know, teaching me with the little pebbles and blades of grass outside how to make that exquisite mud pie and put it out in the sun to dry with dandelions. And so she was a teacher of these five children from, you know, different ages uh, and also in the community, if it was Girl Scouts or uh, she did fast and shows, and she was always teaching the women around her or the community around her. So, not a formal education in teaching, but my mother definitely uh, was a teacher.
0: Do you think of your mom whenever I don't iron very often? But when I'm maybe pressing clothes, taking them out of the dryer, and I'm trying to get them to be, you know, you know, <laughs> and I and I think of my mom. There's certain things that I do that are so calming, and I know that raising her seven kids. I think she found peace in that minute of maybe just pressing laundry or whatever with her hands. Is there a specific activity or task that reminds you of your mother?
1: Yes, totally, totally. It's funny because my mother hated to iron and she used to tell us, it'll iron on you. Just the other day, I told my older sister, John, I said, you know, mom is a liar. And she's like, "Ah!" I said, she told us our clothes would iron on us, and I'd be like in middle school with all wrinkled clothes because my mother's... And it was her little excuse to say, oh, I didn't I have five kids, I didn't get to iron it." And so uh, <laughs> that was one backfire of my mother's plan. But the other day, uh, in this great snowstorm we had, I was a little antsy. I'm not used to living by myself, and uh, you know my husband's not here anymore. And I realized I needed to do something, and I started... Taking this wire of little twinkle red lights that I had bought for Christmas, uh, not for Christmas for Valentine's Day, and I started making a big heart to hang in the window, and I felt my mother's voice say, "Keep your hands busy, Anne." And it was such a loving, beautiful connection at that moment, realizing that all the art that I do, and boy, am I doing a lot during COVID now, to set up my whole workshop that my mother taught me, keep your hands busy, it keeps your mind busy and your heart busy. So you don't have time to worry or grieve constantly, or, you know, and I felt it at that moment, and I smiled and I was like, yep, mom, keep my hands and heart busy. And uh, yeah, it's when I'm playing with clay or when I'm stringing beads to make jewelry, or even cooking, you know, keep your hands and your heart busy, your mind busy. So yeah, that when I'm in the midst of something and I'm enthralled in it, and I'm, I, I'll, I'll recognize that she said it out loud. Keep, you know, keep your hands busy. And so that's something that just the other day in the snowstorm, like, thank you,
0: thanks, mom, <laughs> thanks, Anne. <laughs> I believe they're very close. I talk to my mom all the time. My mom and my dad. So I, you know, that's just my thing. We. <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, that's me. That's definitely. And
0: do your siblings have, do they have the same relationship with your mom as you?
1: Yeah, very, very close. We all had different, uh, obviously, relationships. But I was the youngest daughter, and I was her namesake, and she'd say that. She'd say, my namesake,
0: Anne,
1: because I, my father, she didn't want to, she thought it was such a common name, and then my father insisted that the fourth child, if it was a girl, was going to be named after uh, my mother, and so she'd always call me her namesake. And because I was younger, my sisters were scrubbing the floors and doing all chores, and I got to sit on my mom's <laughs> lap, and, you know, I got away with not doing the chores of the dishes, you know. I'm seven and nine years younger than my sisters, so I got away with being the, the little girl on my mother's lap and, uh, and on my father's lap, you know, reading the encyclopedia So, um, yeah, my relationship is that I was the youngest girl, and I also um, was so much taller than my sisters, and I was the blondie. I was born with strawberry blonde hair, and so there was a uniqueness um, in that this child was (laughs) very different than the older ones, and then my younger brother also was fair. But I'm a tall, blonde Italian, and then my hair got darker as I grew older, but That relationship of artist and nature lover, Um, my sisters uh, don't have that intensity. They had it, but they didn't have the intensity. And I think, again, because of birth order, I had the luxury of going to make those mud pies or um, doing a lot of things with my mother because in the birth order, she was a little older and calmer by the time. I got to, you know, she was a little worn out, too, by the fourth child, and uh, so I got to do a little bit more hands-on with her, a little bit more baking, maybe, maybe not, but I saw that I had this uh, intimate art-making and singing and very sweet relationship where my sisters had to break ground as teenagers. Yeah,
0: that's really hard. I lucked yeah. out, too, being the youngest, so I, I know exactly yeah, what okay, you're talking you know, about. You know. Yeah, they definitely did a lot of work for me, my siblings, and I'm always appreciative every minute of it. So your mom lived to be how old?
1: 90. She lived to be 90, and so did my dad, and she was without my dad for three years. So they were married for 67, 68 years, and when she was without him, she made note every day that, he was waiting for her, and she was very gracious in her grieving, and now that I'm going through being a widow, I try to think of how my mother did it, because she was so broken without my dad, and I'm very broken too, but her strength shows me that, you know, be strong, and I thought the other day, I said, what would my mother be telling me now, because I'm a, my mother lost her husband at 90, I'm 63. And I, could, I said, so, Mom, <laughs> what's the advice here? Even the morning uh, she passed away, she said, he's waiting for me. And she put, pointed to his picture. And she closed her eyes and died an hour later. And uh, she actually even thanked me for taking such good care of her. And uh, that closure of she was going to go be with him. And so what would she have told me now? Um, I think, you know, that you're okay. And you might. You know, again, God might send you another partner. He may not, but trust and uh, know that you're okay. You have children and you have loved ones and, you know, that it's, you don't have to be at the steering wheel. So I thought of that, like, all right, Ma, what would you do? I'm, I'm younger than you were, so it gave me a lot of peace
0: we often have to distract ourselves from those thoughts and the pain or the sorrow whatever is deep in our heart and like your mom told you you have keeping busy right my mom always said you have you know shake those thoughts away and and when my dad passed away she was so graceful and so just i don't know how she did it i don't i don't ever think i really saw her cry my mom. I mean, she yeah. would have she would tear up, but I never saw her fall apart, which was, I don't want it. Yeah. Was not stoic, because that's there's no need for her to be stoic, but she, her faith was so strong, is so strong.
1: Yes. Yes. I know exactly what you're feeling and saying, and I you know, I don't want to assume but how you're describing it it was this centeredness. It was this groundedness. There was deep grief, but it was protecting her children from it. It's like, you know, a Mack truck that hit hit her, but she had to trust that, you know, there is this uh, protection and that she would be okay. But I never saw my mother fall apart. And actually the first anniversary, um, you know, we were going to do this and celebrate my father. And I said, what do you want to do? She said, I just want to stay in bed and cry okay. And I went and ordered, you know, chocolate-colored strawberries and some sushi and whatever. And although we didn't cry out loud, we just got in bed and we snuggled and we ate. And we, and I, boy, and that was honoring her grief and also allowing her, and my grief, I lost my dad and I was daddy's girl. And we just were quiet and thoughtful and we nourished ourselves with sweets. But well, we just put our heads on our pillows and, you know, maybe there was music playing or whatever. And uh, But I think that's the, the, the elegance of her grief, that she allowed it to flow without throwing it on everybody around her.
0: So much admiration for your mother, Anne.
1: I have so much love and admiration.
0: So now I get to keep her close to my heart as well. She's Beautiful. up there with Linda. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. And Miss Sally Teed, thank you so much. We, we tried to make this happen a couple of times, but well worth the wait. So I really appreciate you joining me. I should you. have listened to my mother. And I wish you the best yeah. of luck with your music and your Thanks. arts and your teaching the kids arts and your grandchildren and just keep doing and keep those hands busy and creating. And it, it all seems to work out.
1: Thank you, and thank you for allowing me to be with my mom this morning. It was a really beautiful uh, connection, so thank you.
0: Join me next week for another edition of Should Have Listened to My Mother. I'm Jackie Tantillo.